0: So several years ago, the kids in Sunday school were asked to draw God. They were asked, what do you think God looks like? When I heard about this assignment, my first thought was, thank God I'm not in Sunday school. (laughs) I mean, what would you draw? My mind's full of so many images. What images do you have of God? Well, one kid had a house, a really happy little house, with lots of rooms and lots of happy people in all those rooms. Another kid had a person with a line right down the middle, one side with slightly longer hair and a skirt, the other side with short hair and pants. And just to make sure we got it, they had a note at the top, half girl, half boy. The Bible abounds with images we've absorbed in our bones. The most common being anthropomorphic, meaning they've been given a human image. And the predominant is paternal, father. A male image, God our king, Jesus our shepherd. We also have non-human images. God, our rock, our foundation, even our mother hen gathering her brood, or Jesus, I am the bread, I am the vine. Images that evoke the ineffable divine. Theologian Benjamin Myers writes that the Bible gives us this surfeit, this abundance of images in order to rule out literalism. Because each image holds a different way into our life with God. A different way we might be with and for God. Now when we dig into the human images of God, God takes on emotions. So what qualities or emotions do we imagine for God? How do you think God feels? How does God feel about us? Just take a moment and think about what might be true for you. What do you think God feels about you? Is God distant, judging, or intimate, loving? Is God something else? Today's gospel points at one of those God feelings, joy. The two parables of things lost and found could be described as parables about joy. What makes God happy? What makes angels sing? Being found, being restored to community. When the lost sheep is found, The shepherd rejoices, throws it over his shoulder, rejoicing, then goes out, invites his friends, his neighbors to rejoice with him, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And the woman who loses her coin, what is the response when she finds it? She calls her friends and her neighbors, saying, rejoice with me. Now if we put on the lens of seeing the shepherd and the woman as stand-ins for God and us as stand-ins for being lost, God's nature, God's very being seems to be driven by a desire for joy, a dedication to scouring the wilderness, of scouring a home, every nook and cranny to find each and every little one of us that is lost. And then it's party time. God's joy. God rejoicing, angels rejoicing. The heart of the term rejoice, this kind of church speak, the word that we pretty much only use in church, rejoice. It's all about joy. That which has been separated from the whole, that which has been lost, is restored. Creation, the wholeness of creation is restored. Kind of like God's delight over and over again at the very beginning of creation, at the very beginning of Genesis. Each day, God saw that it was good. The light, the land, the creatures of the earth, even us, good, rejoice. God's joy and celebration is our joy in celebration. and celebration. These parables, we could also put on the lens of seeing the shepherd and the woman as stand ins for us. I mean, that's a beauty in the challenge of the parables. They never really work as one to one maps. This is God, this is me because there are always scratchy points. There are always points that don't quite fit with that kind of direct mapping. And the scratchy points invite us to have a different perspective. And here for me, one of the scratchy points in these parables is exclusively mapping God as woman or shepherd, means that the woman and the shepherd are the ones who lose the coin and the sheep, and really, does God lose us? I don't think so. What if we are the ones who lose something essential? What if we are the ones with so much abundance, a 100 sheep, 10 coins, which could have been, many scholars think, 10 days of wages, What if we are the ones with so much, it just gets easy to lose one? Do we even notice that it or they are gone? And then do we seek those we've lost sight of? Do we seek out those who need to be restored to community? And do we delight in the wholeness when that restoration happens? Do we rejoice in the wholeness and the inclusion of each and every little bit that we may have excluded or we may have overlooked? This is the source of God's joy, us and our restoration, everyone's restoration into community. Or do we grumble like the Pharisees and the scribes? Why waste time with, that, with sinners, with those that are lost? Why eat with them? And Jesus tells these two parables in response to their resentment. Jesus is declaring that true joy is the inclusion of all. True joy is the repentance, which is the turning back, the turning to God, the going and hanging out with God of all who are estranged. Whether they be estranged or we be estranged through our own wanderings, or whether the estrangement is due to socioeconomic or discriminatory hurdles. Joy is the restoration of each and every one of us into this community and communion with God. That is God's joy. The Reverend Dr. Lynn Westfield writes of the sacred power of African American women's gatherings inclusive gatherings of sisters who by race and gender have been marginalized. And Westfield revealed that the primary characteristics of these gatherings is laughter. And whether the gatherings were focused on education, activism, emotional or spiritual support, laughter, joy and delight in one another as peers, as a whole community with no sister lost. That was at the heart of each gathering. They rejoice, we rejoice, and God rejoices. Colleague of mine suggested there's perhaps a third lens for this parable. What if the thing that we're lost were joy? She said, think about it, in today's climate, it may take turning the whole house upside down to find joy. What if God's call is for us to turn away from our grumbling and grousing and resentments and seek out sacred joy, joy and delight in creation? The poet Rainer Maria Rilke writes that joy is a creative force, it is the creative force, and joy is contagious. Joy is embedded in our Eucharist when we celebrate the Eucharist, and think about that, celebrate the Eucharist. At the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer oftentimes, though not today, at the end of the ancient salutation, the Lord be with you or God be with you and also with you, Reverend Nate and I may say, it is right, good, and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you. So This morning, let us be joyful. Let us join and rejoice. Join our voices with one another. Rejoice in community, because the joy is not born for selfish enjoyment. The joy is born in community. God's joy and delight in each and every one of us is delight in us also being in community. So let us go forth knowing that God delights in our presence, that God calls us to seek out the lost and calls us to rejoice anew with one another. So yes, let us rejoice Give thanks and sing. Amen.